Welcome to DealCast, the M&A podcast brought to you by the Merger Market and Deal Reporter editorial teams. I'm Dean McRobie, journalist at Merger Market and Deal Reporter, and welcome to today's episode. Today we'll be discussing Danish pharmaceutical company Lundbeck. And please welcome today's guest, Carolina Limitainen, journalist Thank at you. Merger Market. So recently, Carolina got to sit down with Lundbeck's CEO, Deborah Dunsire, to talk about the company and its recent share price movements. So Carolina, um, Lundbeck just reported what they called their best financial results in the history of the company, yet their share price is down almost 40% since early August. How did Lundbeck's CEO explain this plunge? Uh, she was very optimistic about the company, of course, and, and highlighted the finances. Uh, but she's also she she does realize that something needs to be done because of the share movement and the reason behind that is 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 the the situation with the pipeline the pipeline isn't that strong especially in the later stage so they don't have that many drugs in the later stage development sorry from so they don't have that many drugs yes they don't so they don't have that very many drugs that are very close to hitting the market and they need more of those uh, in their pipeline and that is going to be a very slow process getting those uh, drugs going so um, you can't really quickly develop them internally so she's willing to look at acquisitions now and uh, one of the reasons that why investors got spooked so bad uh, was that there was um, a failed drug trial last autumn on, on schizophrenia related treatment and they had high expectations on that and after that the share price took a, a rather deep plunge. So what type of acquisitions did Dunsire say that they're looking at? Uh, they are looking at a wide variety of different types of acquisitions and not just acquisitions they're also looking at um, licensing, uh, partnership deals, uh, anything to fix their, their uh, pipeline. But um, acquisitions specifically, um, they are ex- looking to expand to new diseases. They are specialized in, in central nervous, nervous system. So even in the future, it would be something related to the brain. Um, so, so they are currently strong in Alzheimer's, depression, Parkinson's disease and schizophrenia. But um, they are looking to expand to other disease areas as well, uh, as long as they are somehow related to central nervous system. And this could mean acquiring small biotech companies. This is what the analysts are betting on, uh, small Bolton acquisitions. But she's also, she said that she's also interested in transformative acquisitions. She's, she's going to be very careful with those. Uh, and um, they don't necessarily, it's, it's not set in stone that those are going to happen, but they are looking at that. And um, she said that she might even be willing to look at going to medical devices, although not manufacturing, that would be, they would have to have some kind of partnership deal with, with uh, the actual manufacturers because they are not interested in doing that. They have no expertise in that. But um, yeah, they, they are very openly looking at different things. They have an, uh, they have an internal m and team, which they have used in the past, but they also use external advisors to scout these companies. And where is their M&A focus? It's um, mostly for, for m and It's Europe and the US. The US is by far their largest market. The 60% of the sales come from there. Um, for, for partnerships and licensing, they're probably going to, well, those will be in focus in, in areas like Asia, where you where it's more difficult to, for a Danish company to enter on their own. 
and they already have partnerships in place in places like Japan. They are partnering with Takeda. So is M and A the likeliest route, or do they have alternative ways to fix their pipeline? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, she was very clear that M and A is not the only only thing they are looking at. So it's probably going to be a mix of all those uh, three things she's been emphasizing. So licensing partnerships and M and A. And um, she said that she's, for example, interested in expanding their, their footprint in Japan, and, and that might be deepening their existing partnerships with the local companies, especially Takeda. But um, yeah, uh, she will um, take a look at anything that her team brings in, and um, she doesn't rule out things like uh, joint ventures or uh, other... other um, minority investments in, in uh, promising companies, but those are not necessarily the likeliest route that she would take. And I mean, she did already one sizable acquisition last year. Uh, it was a Swiss company called Braxton Therapeutics. And through that, that was a rather large one. So uh, it was 100 million euros upfront. But if the, they deliver on their promises, it might be up to 905 million. So that in itself can be a quite a sizable acquisition. And that was done um, last year. Uh, and um, that was on Parkinson's disease treatment. So after such a large acquisition, how do they expect to finance further expansion of their drugs pipeline? Mm. Well, that previous acquisitions it, it, acquisition, it was only 100 million upfront, so uh, it, it hasn't made such a big, um, so much damage to their war chest yet. But also, they they are um, very much looking at at this um, financing issue. She said that they are lowering the dividend uh, dividend range, uh, the target range from. Um, 60 to 80 percent to 30 to 60 percent so that alone will allow them to have more funds available and she also said that right now it's uh, they are uh, net debt free they don't they don't have any debt so uh, they would be willing to take on debt in the future and maybe go to even up to 3.5 times EBITDA with their net debt so that's something that would definitely be useful to finance those larger deals. Conversely, though, with their market cap almost halved, does this make Lundbeck an attractive takeover target? Maybe, but they have a tricky ownership structure. Uh, they are owned, majority owned, by a foundation, Lundbeck Foundation. They have about 70% of the, of the shares. And that's, that they are a very patient and stable owner behind the company. And uh, she said that while the foundation rules don't ban the foundation from selling Lundbeck, uh, the company, they would probably be very, very reluctant to do that. But obviously, it's, it's the matter of price. Thank you, Carolina, for joining us. And to those listening, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to us. DealCast is available on Apple Podcasts. Just search DealCast. You can also find us on SoundCloud and Audioboom. Information on the deals discussed today will be listed in the show notes. See you next time.